Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host, as always, Daniel Levy, your co-host, Shaq. We're going to be talking UFC Vegas 5, Derek Brunson versus Edmund Shabazian. And Shaq, it's going down this Saturday night in Las Vegas, Nevada, back at the Apex. Edmund Shabazian taking on the perennial top 10 Derek Brunson. You already know the deal here. A win over Brunson, that means you enter the top five. Yeah, I mean, if you can beat Derek Brunson, that means uh, you belong places. I mean, just look at the Brunson's last few losses. Jacques Array, he's a legend. Uh, Israel Adesanya is the current champion. Fought Yoel Romero back in the day. So you're 100% right. And Shabazian, I mean, the run this kid's been on, you know, uh, at the age that he's at is super impressive. You know, uh, we know he comes from... Uh, Coach Edmund Tverdian's gym down there in Cali, and, you know, he comes from that Rousey, uh, you know, lineage of some sort. So, you know, uh, he's been destined for this, and now we're going to see what he's, you know, really made of. Because if you can knock out Brad Tavares like that, you know, Brad Tavares, you know, look at his losses, uh, Adesanya, Romero, and uh, it was in, in Edmund. So, you know, uh, and Whitaker, yeah. So if you can... Uh, beat someone like that in that impressive fashion, you might be destined for great things in the middleweight division. So we're going to find out on Saturday. Yeah. Look, this is the second top 10 opponent that uh, Edmund Shabazian has fought, but he handled the first one accordingly. I mean, I haven't seen anyone run through Brad Tavares like that since pre Reebok when, uh, when Robert Whitaker did in 48 seconds. So it was very, very impressive. And, I mean, there's a lot to talk about with this main event. Obviously, we're going to get to it soon. But, you know, one of the big talking points I'm sure we'll get to is that uh, with Shabazian, 11 wins, 10 first-round finishes. So the one time we saw him go out the first round, things did get sketchy. However, I do disagree with that fight being scored a split decision. I thought it was a clear 2-1 for Edmund Shabazian, Shaq. Oh, you're talking about the uh, Stewart fight. Yeah, I thought he won the first two rounds as well. So, yeah, I agree. Well, Shaq, uh, let's get right down to business because first up in the Bantamweight division, we got a matchup between Chris Gutierrez. He's 15-3, and three, and Cody Durden is 11-2. and two. Currently, they got Chris Gutierrez minus 340. The comeback on Cody Durden is plus 280. Well, Shaq, obviously, Chris Gutierrez was very, very impressive his last fight. Uh, you know, cash a nice bet for us against Vince Morales. And it was literally the kind of fight where Vince Morales stood back, ate those kicks all day. And when his leg finally gave out, he had enough. But, you know, Vince Morales wasn't out there going forward. He wasn't mixing in takedowns. I mean, he literally got his leg kicked off from bell to bell. And I don't think we've ever been high on Vince Morales ever, you know. And he's 1-4 in, in the UFC. So, this is kind of a different matchup here with uh with Durden because uh, obviously we're very familiar with Durden comes from the NFC scene uh you know commentated his fights before, I mean we saw this dude fight in a fucking cafeteria in Duluth once I know you remember that shit uh Shaq, uh, but uh basically as far as this fight is concerned, stylistically it's interesting because one thing I know about Durden is that he's not just gonna hang back and trade kicks with a guy like Gutierrez and that already right there. Is, is enough to make you be like, okay, well, what's his path to victory? Well, we know in the past that wrestlers have given uh, Gutierrez fits, and I'm not even talking about Hayoni Barcelos, who's a world-class black belt. E even guys like UFC rejects like Jared Sanders were able to get these three-round decisions based off wrestling. Now, I know that Gutierrez 
all-around game has improved. However, we haven't really seen that ground game tested because guys like Ryan McDonald, guys like Vince Morales, they're not they're not wrestlers. They're not really going to push him and make him uh, test that part of his game. So the last time, the last two times we saw it were against Geraldo De Freitas and Hione Barcelos. And Geraldo De Freitas, I, I like him. The thing is. He doesn't really have a, a wrestling background either, but he was still able to get takedowns. Now, here the thing with Durden that's important for this matchup is that he goes forward the entire time. He doesn't strike when he doesn't need a strike, and he will actively shoot for takedowns. He will pursue the takedown the entire time. So if he can get this takedown here against Chris Gutierrez, I think he's got a path to victory. It's just about if it gets stuffed and then they have to, they're forced to stand – at distance, Gutierrez is going to have a big edge with the kicks, but in the pocket, that's where it could get interesting because even though Gutierrez does have some nice counters, Durden can bang too, and you know he, he's a guy that actually did a little pro boxing, a little pro kickboxing so that he could feel comfortable in every area of the game because he mostly gravitates towards the wrestling. But another thing I want to bring to the table is that uh, he's been training with Douglas Lima, Diego Lima, Rafael Asuncao his entire career. The reason I bring that up is because those guys are all known for their low kick. So he's seen that low kick uh, look inside the gym for years. So he's got that going for him. It's a tough one to call. But the thing is that when you see this plus 280 on Durden, I actually think it should be lined a little bit closer. I'm actually going to come out here and pick him out right. I think he comes out here, takes down uh Chris Gutierrez and eventually submits him. So I'm actually going to go with the newcomer and the former NFC flyweight champion, Cody Durden, to get it done. Yeah, you know, I've seen Durden fight a, a handful of times front row. You know, a, a tough kid that comes forward. I've seen him fight uh, Scoggins, Scoggins' little bro. Uh, you know, Scoggins' little bro is actually better than his big brother. A lot of people don't know that. But uh, I saw I saw Durden fight Scoggins. I've seen a a couple other fights early on in his career. Tough kid. Uh, had a, a, a good buildup, you know, necessarily didn't fight the best opponents up until recently. Just knocked out John Sweeney in the very first round, which is very impressive to do because Sweeney, you know, uh, has a couple of good wins himself. So, yeah, Durden, you know, he usually fights at flyweight. You know, uh, you can't forget that. He he is taking this up a, up a weight class against Gutierrez. And Gutierrez is a guy, man, you know, I, I've known I've known him for a while. You know, I remember when he was in World Series when he had that big upset. Uh, I think it was like plus 600 or plus 700 against Timor Valiev, who was supposed to be on this card. Uh, you know, he pulled off a big upset way back then and then uh, kind of had a couple losses. And in the UFC, man, I actually think Gutierrez is more underrated than overrated. You know, I feel like, uh, is you know, mentioning the De Freitas fight, I feel like he's not getting enough credit in that fight because, man, you know, when you look at the, the height and reach advantage that De Freitas had on him and the and the, the way he's injuring these guys' legs, man, it's like he, he hurt DeFredo. I think DeFredo's broke his leg on the very uh, first few calf kicks. You know, his leg went out on the third one. And then uh, we saw what happened to Vince Morales. I think Gutierrez and, and these uh, Factory X guys, they got very good footwork, very good movement, uh, very hard to track. They're very good point fighters. Him, uh, Martinez, Roy Val. And those guys, man, I feel like they got a very underrated team down there. And Durden's a tough kid. I know he's going to move forward. Um, I just don't think he's ready for this level of competition yet. I think Gutierrez is better in every aspect of the game, even the, in the even in the grappling, man, because the Freitas, you know, yeah, he, he ain't known for his wrestling, but he's still a jiu-jitsu black belt that was coming off a, you know, a landslide victory over an undefeated guy from Team Noguera. So I feel like uh, Gutierrez has definitely leveled up around the last year or so. He's got that soccer background with the kicks. I think he 
Durden probably starts off, you know, energetic, tough, but I feel like the second he uh, gets his range with the kicks, it, it's going to be a uh, game over. So I'm going to go with Gutierrez by, uh, I'll say, third-round stoppage. So one, one quick thing, because a lot of the fans asked me about what happened in Durden's losses and this and that just because, you know, I'm very familiar with him. So the Scoggins fight was basically yeah, a kick. Yeah. Well, Scoggins, Scoggins' little bro ain't a kickboxer. He's a uh, he's a wrestler. Yeah, so basically the Scoggins fight was a case where it was wrestler versus wrestler. The bigger wrestler, which is what Scoggins was, kind of pinned them up against the fence and you know, kind of won, won, uh, won the wrestling fight basically for three rounds. And then the fight with Ryan Hollis was a case where he was a little bit cocky. You know, he dominated the kid, made one mistake, got his back taken, got choked out, didn't tap, went to sleep. So that's good. But look, he's paid his dues. And the John Sweeney fight, after I saw that fight, because going into that, I was like, dude, that's going to be a close fight. Could go either way. I'm not really sure who's going to win. And he ran through John Sweeney in a way where I, I, I texted him. I was like, dude, uh, be ready for that call because uh, that was a UFC-level performance. Two days later, he got the call. So let's see what he does on Saturday night. Now, next up in the featherweight division, we got a matchup between Jamal Emers. He's 17-5, and five, and Vincent Cachero is 7-2. and two. Currently, they don't have any odds on this fight. However, uh, I'm pretty damn sure that Jamal Emers will be favored in this spot. So, I mean, Shaq, look... Uh, at least, you know, for most newcomers, they don't really have experience with UFC-level competition. Vincent Cachero's been in there with two UFC vets. He's been in there with Casey Kenny and with Nohaline Hernandez. Beat Hernandez, lost to Casey Kenny. And Jamal Emers, look, he's super talented. He's super skilled. He's athletic. He's got size. But there's certain things in the fight IQ that I do not like. That first round against Giga Chikazi, I understand Giga you know, is a super credential kickboxer. He's a very dangerous opponent. But I didn't like that Jamal basically took that first round off. And I, I think that uh, Giga won the first two rounds. But the first round, that was like, dude, like, just give me this much effort, Jamal. You know what I mean? And there's been other fights. You know, the Julian Arosa fight, he got knocked out. But then on the flip side, he's got some good wins too. You know, he actually beat Corey Sanhagen, beat Alex Hernandez. I thought he was going to lose to Timor Valiev. But here against Cachero, I think he actually has a good shot, and I'm going to go ahead and pick him. I'm going to say Jamal Emers gets his first UFC win Saturday night. Yeah, you know, Cachero's a, a tough guy. He fought Casey Kenny. I know Casey Kenny knocked him out unconscious with a knee, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and, you know, he beat Nohaline Hernandez. So, you know, and he's a bantamweight. So we know what the deal, the deal here uh, is. You know, Jamal's going to get his first UFC win here and. uh you know, I guess, yeah, Jamal, I feel like uh, his issue, the big question in the Valley of fight was, does this guy, does this kid have the initiative to, you know, go for it? Does he, is he going to hold back? You know, I feel like you said athletic talent side, especially against Valley of who was a, a Bantamweight. Um, you know, it was, a, it's a matter, you know, he had the skills to do it. It's just a matter, is he going to let it go? So, yeah, I think in this fight, he'll probably be a little more comfortable. This kid's coming in short notice, up away class. So, yeah, uh, we'll go with Emers for the win. Now, next up in the light heavyweight division, we got a match between Ed Short Fuse Herman. He's 24 and 14, and Gerald GM3 Mershar is 31 and 13. Currently, they got Gerald Mearshart minus 160. The comeback on Ed Herman is plus 140. Shaq, this is interesting because it's not often we see Gerald at light heavyweight. And also, 
it's not often that you question who's the slower guy in this fight because usually it's like Ed Herman's the slower guy. Usually Ed, uh, Gerald Mershart's the slower guy. Now they're up against each other. I'm not sure who it is. Uh, who do you think has got the speed advantage in this one? Yeah, you know, that's a good question. Uh, I feel like both guys have a lot of similarities. You know, they're both slow. They both take some big shots. You know, uh, they you know they both took in their fair share of punishment throughout the uh, throughout the years. So I feel like this is a, a good fight. Um, Mershart's coming up from eighty fives. Man, just I don't want to you know keep this fight quick, but I honestly think it's just a fifty fifty fight. Just bit, bit, or even a slight lean with Herman, just because of the fact that this is his weight class. You know, Herman is thirty nine years old, so you know you, you know look he is he is old and he is on the tail end tail end of his career but man he, he still won his last two fights uh his last fight against Cadiz you know he uh I mean the Cadiz sucks but like you know he's still like 15 years 16 years younger than Ed and Ed beat his ass you know and, and Ed Shortfuse man he I don't want to say consistent but you know he he does his job you know he you know yeah he's been knocked out when he's supposed to get knocked out and and he has some submission losses as well but man, he, he's he's solid. He knows how to manipulate guys in the clinch. He's tough. He ain't gonna quit. So I'm expecting a, a the typical tough Ed short fuse to show up. And Mershart, you know, man, I like Mershart. Tough guy. A lot of subs over like, 20 subs in his career. Uh, I mean, you know, I'm a big fan of GM3. Um, it's just like I don't see. I think he if any how they match up. I think he he probably has like the straighter punches, like the cleaner, the cleaner boxing. It's, uh, I think Ed's stronger, you know, more power in his hands, uh, better clinch work. And on the ground, I really don't see Gerald being able to pull off one of, you know, the, the, like, you know, like how he did against Trevin, where Trevin honestly just, you know, made continuous dumb mistakes on the mat. I don't see Ed Shortfuse really even getting into some spots like that. I know he's been taken down in the past by like college dressers like CB and stuff like that, but I just don't think Mershart's honestly capable of that, man. So I feel like this is going to be a tough slobber knocker, you know, two, two grizzled vets, the, the body kick could be there for Mershard. Uh, I'm interested to see if he can chain takedowns for three. I don't I, I don't think so, man. I personally don't think so. Uh, I'm going to go with short fuse. I think he's a little tougher in the clinch, bigger, stronger. You know, this guy was actually getting ready to fight Daun Jung, who's one of the top prospects at 205, and he's been training for that fight for a while. Uh, Mershard just got knocked out too. Uh, how long ago was that? Uh, not that long ago. Huh? month or two yeah a month or two ago uh i don't see any particular area where i say mershart can just dominate him in and i honestly just don't see it so i'm gonna go with short fuse i, I think at least it's a 50 50 fight so yeah i'm gonna go ahead at 39 years old to be on a, a three fight win streak yeah look uh th this is interesting for a lot of reasons with gerald mershart i got a lot of questions because it's like look he just got knocked out uh basically last month so there's only two possible scenarios going on here, Shaq. The first one is that he actually followed his suspension like he's supposed to and hasn't been training. The other is that he's such an old-school dude that he probably got back in the gym on Monday. He's like, you're not fucking telling me what to do. I'm Gerald Mershart, you know what I mean? I used to take fights on six hours' notice, you know what I mean? Like, Gerald Mershart is such a vet. I doubt he listened to his suspension, so he's probably been training this whole time. 
which on one hand is probably good because he's in shape, but on the other hand, it's like, man, you got to give your brain a rest after you get shut off. So I, uh, I'm i not exactly sure what to think. And also moving up 20 pounds, I'm curious to see how he looks on the scales. And Ed Herman, I mean, like you said, he's kind of consistent. Uh, you know, he is very, very slow, but I'd say his hands are actually a bit crisper than Gerald Mershar's. It's just you got to look out for that body kick like you mentioned. And then on the mat, I guess what I'd be most worried about with Herman is, you know, Mershar getting on top and doing his thing. It's just that Mershar gives up position too. So th this is a good fight. I agree with you being 50-50, so I'll also side with the dog here. Um, and, and I can't wait to see what happens. Uh, let's see exactly how these guys look. Now, next up in the Bantamweight division, we got a matchup between Frankie Sines, he's 12-6, and six, and Jonathan Martinez is 11-3. and three. Currently, they got Jonathan Martinez minus 260. The comeback on Frankie Sines is plus 220. So I, I am hearing a lot of talk that the line is a bit wide, and it could be if he gets wrestled here. You know, it could be if, you know, D1 Frankie Sines comes out in this spot. It's just that. Frankie Science hasn't been a D1 wrestler in over 20 years. Frankie Science is 40 years old. Uh, Frankie Science in this day and age is too you small know, for bantamweight. Real, real quick, you know, Frankie Science beat Marab Devalish, really? <laughs> you know, Marab took him down 11 times, and Frankie took him down zero you times, know, and Frankie got his arm raised. You know, I bet on Marab, and when they were reading the cards, uh, I think I was at your crib. I was, I was in like complete shock. I was like, wait, what? Yeah, that's uh, I don't care what anyone says because people say, oh, go back and rewatch it. Frankie won. I, I have rewatched it. I score for Marab every single time. Like, I, I see the little bit of success that Frankie had with those knees, but it's not enough for me to score the fight for him. So as far as I'm concerned, I think he's lost four out of his last five. And back to the point I was making about the size here. When, when Frankie was coming up in the Bantamweight division, you know, with, with Yuri Alcantara, with Uriah Favor, with all these guys, it's like... Like, he, he can be that tiny-ass uh, Bantamweight back then. You know what I mean? But now, dude, like, if, if Frankie was 10 years younger, he'd be in the flyweight division. So I, I feel So you're saying that Frankie Signs is a pipsqueak? <laughs> He's too small for Bantamweight in 2020 is what I'm saying, man. So he has to wrestle for two out of three rounds to win this fight. I don't see that happening. I think Martinez has been getting better now. I'm going to say something really controversial here. So live, I thought the Ool fight was this big robbery. But when I rewatched it the other day, I don't think it's that big of a robbery anymore, honestly. I thought it was a really close fight that could, could have gone either way. And Ool actually edged the output in that fight. However, regardless of who you scored it for, because Martinez looked fantastic in that fight, what he showed me there, plus a couple months later of improvement, I think is more than enough to come out here and beat Frankie Sines. Not only beat him, but knock him out. Uh, Frankie's chin... It's been tested a lot. I mean, you saw what Eddie Wineland did. Even Tanquino Mendez wobbled him. But most recently, Marlon Chito Vera blew him out the water in a way where we're like, damn, we might not ever see Frankie Sainz the same ever again. And you saw how small he looked compared to Cheeto in that fight. I don't think he should be fighting at Bantamweight. It's just he's too old to cut to flyweight. So it is what it is. The sport evolves really fast. I got Jonathan Martinez by knockout. Yeah, man, you know, Frankie Signs, he had a good run. I mean, he started his career late, you know, uh, was a good college wrestler. I mean, he got to a fight with Faber, but we knew after he got knocked out against Eddie what the deal was. It hasn't been the same since. I watched the Tanquino Mendo's fight. I was like, man, there's times where he's going out stiff on, like, little shots, you know, and and it's kind of scary. And that was, like, in 2017. So uh, Frankie's chin's been a concern for a while. Uh, the Marab Devalish really fight. From what I heard, Marab had 
had uh, the flu that week and, you know, uh, kind of wrestled him. I guarantee if he comes in there with a the boxing uh, game plan, they probably knock Frankie out or, or at least get the win. Um, but, yeah, you know, I feel like father time is just really caught up to Frankie. I feel like Martinez is making improvements fight to fight. I think he won the, the Andre Ull fight. You know, whether it's a robbery or not, I still think the wrong guy won the fight, period, point blank. Um, I feel like Andre Ull got hurt to the body too many times, hurt too many times throughout that fight to win. Yeah, he flailed his arms out there a lot. A lot and, you know, Martinez showed up. And Martinez, he kind of has that Cheeto problem where they shell up a lot, you know, uh, not that they have bad chins. It's just that, you know, there's just something in that, in that uh, young Latin style where they like to shell and, you know, uh, and that, and that's, that was kind of the problem, I guess, that made the judges, uh, I guess, give it to Ul. So, you know, uh, I feel like he's still making improvements. The Penguin fight, the way he was setting up those knees and yeah, the takedowns, look, Frankie probably will take him down. Frankie uh, Signs probably will take him down, but Frankie Signs isn't a guy that's going to stay on top and, and beat someone up for, for three rounds like he used to, man. Now when he gets those takedowns, I mean, he's barely, you know, holding on. He can barely keep these guys down for any significant period of time. And, you know, he, he, Father Time's caught up to him. And that last one, I mean, you know, he didn't even really get knocked down with nothing significant. It was a jab to, from Cheeto, to be honest. So, you know, uh, I got Martinez by knockout. Uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm pretty confident he's going to do it early. Now, next up in the middleweight division, we got a matchup between Kevin Big Mouth Holland. He's 17 and 5. And Trevin Giles, Officer Trevin Giles, is 12 and 2. Currently, they got Kevin Holland minus 210. The comeback on Trevin Giles is plus 175. Very interesting fight, Shaq. Uh, so the biggest criticism for both these guys is, I guess, you know, questionable decision-making. Some people even say the fight IQ, but actually I think that's more of an issue with Giles. Uh, so this, an, another hot take, I actually think Ke- uh, Kevin Holland's a pretty intelligent guy. Like, if you hear him talk, like, I actually think he's pretty smart. He just likes to play around a lot. This is true. But, like, I don't feel like he played around in his loss to Brendan Allen. I don't feel like he lost because he was in there screwing around. I feel like he lost because a black belt took his back and choked him out. You know, it was what it was, man. But uh, in some of these other fights, you know, I feel like he feels so unthreatened by, you know, John Phillips that, you know, he can talk to him. I feel like he feels so unthreatened by that guy on Contender Series that Jared Gooden knocked out in in a second. You know what I mean? So – I feel like it's one of these cases where if you actually challenge him, he's going to come out here and fight you back. And the thing with Trevin Giles is, look, he's he's huge and he hits hard. He's actually experienced by this point. But, man, I feel like he's the one that can make the bonehead mistakes on the mat. I feel like he's the one that's more prone to getting choked out in this spot. And also on the feet, while he does throw some wild punches, and you know sometimes Kevin does fight with his hands down too, so Kevin could eat a big one. Kevin's got a 7-inch reach advantage in this spot too, man. I feel like Kevin has got more output. He's more talented. He's just better across the board. It's just about going out there and performing. Don't have an off night you know, against Trevin Giles, and, and you're going to win this fight, man. So... I've been very impressed with uh, Kevin Holland. I feel like people are a little bit too hard on him. I mean, I get why. You know, he sometimes makes shit a little bit closer, more closer than it needs to be against guys that he's much uh, more talented than. But I'm hoping the Brendan Allen fight was a wake-up call that, hey, you're not invincible. But, I mean, look, this is this is a guy that knocked out Jeff Neal. Uh, Kevin Holland is tremendously talented and gifted, and he's, he's a good fighter. So 
I'm going to take him here over Trevin Giles. I think he submits uh, Officer Giles. Yeah, man. Both these guys, uh, they go way back from, you know, uh, the Texas scene. And, you know, they got some good wins. Uh, Trevin, he beat uh, Trevin beat Brennan Allen. Uh, he beat uh, Ryan Spin, you know, and Holland lost to Allen, beat Jeff Neal. You know, uh, Holland lost to Curtis Melender. I'm just kidding. But, uh, you know, yeah. so, both these guys, uh, you know, they go way back, I think, uh, Holland said he asked Giles to Giles to train one time and and Giles kind of you know brushed him off so you know uh, we'll see we'll see what he does about it yeah but you know I feel like I agree I feel like well I feel like Giles kind of you know when you think of his last three fights Cummings uh, Mearshart and and James Krause I feel like uh, Trevin was a lot more green than people realized. And I feel like that was covered up just because he had those names on his resume, like Brennan Allen and Ryan Spann and, and some of these other guys, man, I feel like Trevin was really green. He was young and he really hadn't fought a uh, top level competition. Then you put him in there with some tough vets with a lot of fights and those mistakes on the ground, uh, you know, you know, they, they came to light and in his last fight against James Krause, who, you know, actually, uh, bet on Trevin in that fight at dog odds. I forget the line, but you know, right away the fight starts and, and he, you know, they're putting him in there with these guys with good ground games and he's just a step behind, you know, that's just the, that's just the facts about it. I mean, he, he's behind in comparison to these guys. He's fighting another good submission artist. I mean, James Krause took his back right off the bat on one day notice and nearly had him out of there. But I, I disagree with this notion that Krause, you know, clearly won that fight. I, I disagree 100%. I feel like uh, Trevin definitely, Definitely did enough to get the win there. Um, but, yeah, on the feet, I, I feel like Kevin sometimes – I don't want to say that Kevin doesn't like to get hit, but uh, I just feel like sometimes, you know, he just he, – he could be doing more. You know, he could be, you know, using his range more and throwing his jab out there more. Uh, but, yeah, I, I do think he's a better fighter uh, in every aspect of the game. Um, but Trevin, man, I feel like, you know, big dog odds. You know, he is athletic. He is powerful. He's young. You know, maybe maybe he is live, but but I'll, and I also have another suspicion, real quick. I also have another suspicion that Anthony Fluffy Hernandez is not UFC level, but we'll see we'll see uh, we'll see how that uh, you know carries on throughout the throughout his career. But yeah, I'm gonna go with Kevin Holland. But there has been moments in some of these fights, like the D Chirico fight, even though he got the not the nods, the Mershart fight, and, and things like that, where he he could have done more. But maybe that Brennan Allen fight uh, was what he needed. He needed that ass whooping to, to really finally wake up. So we'll see. Now, next up in the lightweight division, we got the rematch between Bobby King Green. He's 25-10-1, and, and Lando Venata is 11-4-2. Currently, they got Lando Venata minus 150. The comeback on Bobby Green is plus 130. So, Shaq, it's the rematch. The first fight ended in draw. And they had Lando favored the first time, too, but he was like a minus 260 the first time. This time, you know, it's a, it's over a dollar less at minus 150. Do you agree with Lando being favored here, or do you think that there is some value on Bobby Green based on the first fight being a draw? Man, it's, it's, it's going to be a good fight. I feel like it's going to be another. I feel like, firstly, both guys are, are not in the same, uh, you know, health health shape-wise as, as the first fight, man. Uh, and I don't want to say more so, especially Lando, but I feel like both guys have slowed down. I mean, it's just the honest truth. Uh, I feel like both guys still are tough, are going to hang in there. You know, Bobby, even though he necessarily hasn't uh, seen the results, 
I mean, like, you know, going into his last fight, like, uh, against uh, Guida, you know, a lot of people were saying, man, should he be favored that high? I thought he should have, just based on the fact that, man, like, at least, like, you know, he's, these fights are, like, tooth and nail. Like, they're going down to the wire with guys like Trinaldo. Like, he can still take that type of punishment uh, or against uh, Magomedov and, and some of these other guys that I mentioned. The only guy that's really, like, beat his ass, like, he's never been dominated. The only guy that's knocked him out, like, handled him is Poye, and that's it. Uh, Lando Venata, like, on the other hand, I feel like he's probably the more uh, got a, at least a more you know wider array of attacks. But man, I feel like the guy now, like the guy I saw fight Medeiros, even though he won every round. But Medeiros, man, Medeiros doesn't. In my opinion, man, I don't want to say Medeiros is done, but he ain't, he ain't looking too good, man. Uh, and I just feel like Lando is just a lot slower. Uh, you know, him trying to throw some of those spins and fight with his hands down. And, you know, both guys are going to fight with their hands down. Uh, you know, even though Lando's younger, I I necessarily just don't see, like, that big speed gap in b- between the both guys, like, you know, going into the first fight. So I feel like it's a 50-50 fight. Honestly, I feel like it's going to come down to who's throwing more, who's got better cardio. Uh, man, you know... I'm going to go with Bobby Green, man. I feel like he's a, you know, when it gets in the late rounds, he's going to be a little bit more intense, have a little bit more left in the tank, kind of similar to the first fight. But, you know, he's got to he's gotta watch out for that big shot from Venata. You know, he still drops a lot of these guys, like Frivola and, you know, Bobby and, and some other guys as well. So um, I, I just feel like it's going to be a, clo- a close fight. Both guys bloodied up at the end. Uh, both guys fighting with their hands down going to be opportunities for both guys to get their shots in. Um, but man, sometimes like, I just feel like, I don't want to say Bobby's tougher than Lando and Lando doesn't have heart. I'm going to just say the difference why I'm going with Bobby is because when Lando starts getting beat up and, and, you know, things start not going his way a little bit, he kind of just like shuts down and like the the Casey fight, you know, a couple calf kicks and, you know, the fight's over. Or uh, even the Frivola fight, you know, that he's got that big first round. And then the la- the next two rounds, it's like, you know, what the fuck, Lando? Uh, as where Bobby, I just feel like he- he's losing because he's fighting like a-, a young prospect like Close or Trinaldo, who's like borderline top 15. So, you know, I'm going to go with Bobby. Yeah, look, since the first time they fought, Lando Venata's gone 2-2-1, two, two, and one, and Bobby Green's gotten 2-2. Two, and two. So they basically had similar results. But I like the way Bobby Green's been fighting better. I feel like he fights with more spirit, with more heart. Like, Lando comes out hard in that first round. But after that, historically speaking, his output kind of wanes, and he gasses out really visibly in these fights, man. And, uh, you know, th- I, I kind of uh, line this a pick myself, so I do lean with uh, – with Bobby Green as well, you know, being that it, that it's not a pick'em and that there's some dog odds on him, I think he can take over the second and third again, like he did the first time. It's just don't have such a bad first round this time, you know. Don't get almost knocked out and this and that because had Lando not landed that illegal knee, it would have either been a first round knockout or a decision win. But it wasn't either because he fucked it up. You know what I mean? And that's not the first time Lando's gone to a draw either. So Lando's one of those guys if he can't get that first round finish most likely he's not going to win. I know he's coming off a decision win, but credit to what you said, that's the worst I've ever seen Yancey Medeiros in all his fights combined. I've never seen Yancey look like that. Uh, I don't know if it's that new vegan diet. I don't know what the deal is. Maybe the drop back to 55. Maybe he should have stayed up at 70s. 
whatever the case was, uh, Yance, that was more about how bad Yancey looked than about how good Lando looked, in my opinion. So I, I just think that Bobby probably, you know, lands the crisper shots on the feet in the second and third round and edges the decision. I mean, look, Bobby, Bobby just went toe to toe with the the so called uh, cardio king of the fifty five division or the old cardio king Clay Guida. So yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Bobby Green here, and uh, I think he probably most likely wins a decision. Now next up in the welterweight division, we got a matchup between Vicente Luque. He's eighteen and seven, and Randy Brown is twelve and three. Currently, they got Vicente Luque minus 210. The comeback on Randy Brown is plus 175. So, Shaq, I feel like all of Randy Brown's career, I've been trying to figure out what the deal is. And I think I might have finally figured it out, man. So, Randy Brown has got the size. He's got the athletic tools. He's super talented. I think the thing that's been missing this entire time is the mean streak. I I don't think he's that mean. Uh, And I think that's actually what's been the issue this whole time because we were expecting you know this first round finish against Mickey Gall and that fight was way closer than it needed to be like there's no reason he should have lost any rounds against Mickey Gall and there's no reason he shouldn't have not finished him in the first round and some of these other fights too even the Barberena fight it's like well I I have a reason I have a reason why I didn't finish him in the first because Mickey was fucking running for his dear life (laughs) (laughs) You know, it, it's interesting, man, because in that Barberena fight, and we were there in attendance in Greenville, and it was the cleanest performance of of uh, Brown's career, but there wasn't really any resistance back. And, yeah, that's credit to how amazing he was. He played that long man game. And, look, if he can do that here, if he can keep Vicente on the outside and use those long-ass strikes, keep him away, maybe even catch him with something coming in because Vicente, eventually Vicente is going to get knocked out. It's just a matter of time. I mean, this guy gets hit way too much, as everyone already knows, but he's also a winner. He's won 10 of his last 11. Vicente Luque wins fights. And I feel like the calf kicks are going to be major weapons here. Uh, Randy doesn't check kicks for whatever reason. And then when Vicente starts mixing up those hooks and those overhands, I think there's a chance he knocks Randy out. It's just that Randy, Randy's got to have the perfect fight here to win. And I think he's capable of doing it. It's just I'm not sure if he's willing to keep doing it after he gets hit with some of these shots, man. Uh, I don't know if Randy's mean enough for a fight like this. So I think he can win if he catches Vicente with something clean or if he fights the perfect fight, keeps him at the end of that reach, at the end of that length, and, you know, picks him apart, does his thing. But I I think that Vicente is going to close that distance and hit Randy with some hard shit and knock him out. So I'm going to go with Vicente Luque here. Yeah, man, this is a this is a really good fight because I feel like Vicente Luque is one of the most violent guys in the division. Big power, big calf kicks, you know, the the darts chokes, the the submissions as well. And Randy, uh, I feel like, like you said, he's had the talent for a while. You know, he was the original looking for a fight guy. Uh, and I feel like, man, he's finally developed. And like you said, and maybe it was a, a little bit of the mean streak or just – Sometimes these things take time, man. And, uh, you know, you got to, you only came in the UFC like, what, 6 and 0, 7 and 0, man? You know, this shit. Sometimes these things take years to develop. So I feel like now he's finally arrived. Now, as far as uh, how they match up, like, I, I like Vicente Luque, but I'm not going to lie. Like, prior to his fight with, uh, with uh, Wonder Boy, I was watching tape on him and I'm like, 
you know, yeah, he's got he's got the these big vicious finishes and, and, and they're nice, but just just real quick, and I and I don't like to bring up the competition level thing, but like he he's got the wins over Bilal and uh, Nico, two wins over Price, uh, but like a lot of those men were against like uh, Kranz and and Nico Price and these guys like in comparison to Randy Brown, I, personally I just feel like. They're not the nowhere as near as athletic as Randy. They don't have the technical prowess as Randy when they're at their best. I like Nico Price in going into the rematch. I said my exact words is like I love Nico Price as a as a fan, as a you know a guy watching the sport. But make no mistake about it, Nico Price. Unfortunately, me and you both know that it's gonna end real, real ugly for him just because he blocks punches with his head. And I feel like, you know, yeah, Vicente dropped him and beat on him, but let's be honest here, like I like, yeah, it's Nico Price, good win. I'm not discrediting that, but it's like the counters are so easily there against a guy like that who, you know, throws lazy jabs in the pocket, doesn't have the length, he blocks punches with his head, against uh Brian. Barbarina, the, the count. One thing I'll say about Randy, like I, the reason why I rate his win over Barba, uh, his performance against Barb, and Barb was coming off the Vicente fight, so Vicente definitely kind of warmed him up for that. But man, when all these other guys fight Barb, there's hairy moments in each of those fights. Even when top three, four Leon Edwards fought Barbarina, he got dropped. You know, when Worley Alves fought him, he, he got a uh, finish. You know, uh, Barbarina's a tough fight, and Randy Brown, for once in his career, didn't fall into any, you know, uh, dumb bullshit. You know, for once in his career, he didn't, you know, make a, a boneheaded mistake. And I was like, okay, maybe it's a step in the right direction. And then uh, his next fight against Worley Alves down there in Brazil, he overcome the overcome Worley's typical first round storm and got him out of there right away in the second. So I feel like Randy Brown is definitely trending up, and and I do feel like Vicente slightly overrated just based on the fact that like you know I don't think he's going to be able to just stand in front of these guys and 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 just willingly land these free counters because I just think Randy Brown's a lot smarter a lot more technical and uh I think his jab and, and his straight shots are going to pre present some problems I think the front kick is there for him as well up the middle I saw Nico Price land that on on Vicente like three or four times and I and Randy likes to land it a lot in his fights as well so Man, I think there's value on Randy Brown as a as an underdog. To be honest, yeah, Vicente's got some power and some chicks, but he he ain't. What happened when he fought Wonder Boy and he had to play that side to side game and that long distance game? Man, he ran out of he ran out of gas. You know, if you if you give him a, a traditional phone booth slobber knocker type Vicente, you know that type of fight, then yeah, you're gonna get knocked the fuck out 100%. But I feel like Randy's gonna play a different game than a lot of these guys play a, a similar uh, game to Wonder Boy, not with the sidekicks, but just make him move around, make him make him move his feet because he gets real lactic in there. He gets real slow and he doesn't move his head and I feel like you do that against Randy Brown there's a, a good chance to get finished so I'm actually going to pick Randy Brown to come out here get the biggest win of his career and, and finish for Sente Luque I'm gonna say uh, second round it's a bold pick I like it so co-main event of the evening in the flyweight division we got Joanne Calderwood she's 14 and 4 and Jennifer Maya is 17 and 6 currently they got Joanne Calderwood, minus 140. The comeback on Jennifer Maya is plus 120. So, Shaq, let me ask you this. Obviously, we know that uh, JoJo is probably the more talented fighter, but 
I mean, I got to question her motivation coming into this fight. And the reason why is because, I mean, she was getting ready to fight Valentina. And when you're getting ready to fight Valentina, you go to bed every single night thinking about, oh, shit, I got I to gotta fight Valentina. You wake up every single morning with this intensity of, oh, shit, I better run a few extra miles because I'm fighting Valentina. Then they're like, actually, you're fighting Jennifer Maya. I'm curious if she took her foot off the gas a little bit, knowing that, oh, I don't have to fight Valentina. There, there's not a chance I get, you know, potentially a highlight reel anymore. So do you think Joanne shows up? And if she does, you think she wins this fight? Yeah, you know, I, I don't necessarily <coughs> I don't necessarily look at it that way. Um, I feel like in that division, things are a little different, like, you know, and I feel like she took this matchup because she probably feels like she's going to win. You know, I feel like uh, um, Jennifer Maya, you know, shoot box style. But, man, I kind of feel like watching tape on her, you know, who she reminded me of, honestly, was Betch Cohea, like just a more like, you know, a slightly more looser, like, you know, but just that stubborn Brazilian Muay Thai style, take one shot, give one shot back. And, you know, against Roxanne Mataferi and, uh, you know, punching bags like Alexis Davis. Yeah, that, that'll work for sure. But, you know, you know, when she had to wrestle against Carmou, she couldn't do it. And Chukagian touched her up pretty badly the first two rounds. She was able to get the uh, the takedown in the third. But uh, Calderwood, on the other hand, man, she's a she's a weird case because I am pretty confident that she should get this decision, you know, just with the volume on the low kicks. and But, man, I feel like her boxing definitely isn't as good as her kicking. And there's been times where, like, man, she's she's got a bloody nose and, like, her nose is, like, running, like, you know, really off nothing. Uh, Chukagian. Chukagian, Chukagian slapped her up pretty good, man. I, I mean, Chukagian's no slouch, man. Shout, shout out to Blonde Fighter because, you know, I watched her beat up uh, both chicks pretty good. And she uh, beat Shevchenko in her last fight as well. But, uh, yeah, I feel like Calderwood throws more volume. Uh, she can she can mix it up with the takedown here and there as well. It's just that sometimes she takes too many unnecessary shots and her nose gets bloody and then things start to get a little close and she is six and four in the UFC. So it's not like, I know she, you know, she's number one contender, but she lost to Chukagian. The fight with Andrea Lee, you know, I thought she got the nod for sure, but I mean, it did go to split decision. Sometimes these things can play out a little bit close at minus 140. I actually think the value is more on her side just because I feel like Maya is just that stubborn Brazilian style. And I don't feel like she can make adjustments if the, uh, if the, you know, throughout the fight, I feel like she either is going to crack Jojo and Jojo is going to be hesitant and this is going to become a, a close, a close match fight or Jojo is going to be touching her up with the inside low kicks and just the volume and making her work. So uh, I'm going to go with Jojo by decision. But uh, maybe the slight shot game, maybe it's a trap. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, you know, sometimes you take a, a risky fight. Uh, we'll see. But, you know, I, I think she'll get the win. I just think she throws more volume, works more. And I feel like Maya doesn't have enough facets to Yeah, look, I agree. I think Joanne's probably going to win as long as she shows up. I feel like she's got so much more output than Jennifer Maya. She's more well-rounded. She doesn't have to worry about the takedown threat with Jennifer Maya. So, yeah, just go out here, you know, use those teeps, kind of outland her a little bit. I guess maybe the head strike part might be kind of interesting because I think that, you know, Jennifer might throw more shots up top, whereas, you know, Joanne's more mixing it in with the kicks. But as long as Joanne has that output on point, I think she should come out here and win a decision. 
Main event of the evening in the middleweight division. We got the golden boy, Edmund Shabazian. He's 11-0. And Derek Brunson is 20-7. Currently, they got Edmund Shabazian minus 345. The comeback on Derek Brunson is plus 285. Shaq, this is a hell of a matchup. Obviously, like we mentioned at the beginning of the show, uh, Shabazian is 11-0 with 10 first-round finishes. The one time he went past the first, now... Officially, shit got sketchy in the third, but I, f- I felt like he clearly won the first and second, and he was able to have the wherewithal in that third and that sketchy moment to still get the takedowns and seal off the round. Actually scored eight takedowns in that fight, so this kid's pretty damn well-rounded. He's been training since he was just a little boy in all areas of mixed martial arts, so he's one of these guys that came into MMA with a complete package. You know, He's got the boxing, he's got the grappling, the wrestling, the jiu-jitsu, the whole bit. You even might even have some, you know, judo in his back pocket, right? From the and some arm bars too. You know what I'm saying, Shaq? But uh, yeah, I, I think the kid's solid. And Brunson, we already know the deal. Very strong wrestler. Kind of runs in with his chin straight up in the air. And I mean, if you're not quite on his level, he can go out there give some vet lessons. You know what I mean? Like he did to Heinish, like he did to Elias Theodora. Just I'm not quite convinced he's gonna do that here. And I want to say something else. And this might be a controversial take, but it's something we've talked about in the past. Um, I know. Uh, Shabazian gets a lot of shit because his coach is Edmund Tarverdian, but I don't think Coach Edmund's that bad of a coach, man. I, I feel like you walk into Coach Edmund's gym, he's got six UFC belts on the wall, which already uh, talks about what kind of status he is. And, and I think when we hear him say shit like... Look, look real, real quick about that. Let's just be honest here. Edmund Tarverdian is honestly one of the better coaches in the game because, bro, he had the whole fucking world sold that ronda rousey could box you know what i'm saying <laughs> like he like he and she, and she knocked out chicks like you know what i'm saying so edmund look towards the end of that you know he towards the end it kind of got ugly but you know that's that's when uh R- rousey became the monster you know yeah look no doubt about it and I, I think when you hear him saying shit like, oh, she could box with Floyd Mayweather or she's firing with both hands now. I mean, that's a situation where it's like, yeah, do you want him to say that she'd get knocked the fuck out and then lose his job and lose all his money? <laughs> yeah, like he's trying to sell the fight. Like he's got to he's got to say these things. Like Ronda Rousey needs yes men all around her. Especially if you want to be part of that payroll, you want to be getting paid those fat stacks. Uh, you better, you better. Bro, the type of money they were racking in at the time, I would have said any fucking thing too. I would have said she could have knocked out fucking Tyson, bro. Like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> He's not gonna say she'd get knocked the fuck out uh, by uh, by these guys because you know that that won't look good. Uh, so he did what he had to do. I don't hold it against him. You know, this is a business at the end of the day. But also, yo, yo, real quick, you remember when uh, Coach Edmund tried to fight Caraway that one time? <laughs> Remember when uh, Doom tried to fight him? Yeah. Good times. So, again, I don't think he's getting bad coaching. Like, some people are trying to paint that picture. I completely disagree. I think he's getting high-level training partners, coaches, the whole bit. I think he's good to go. With Derek Brunson, he did make a move to Sanford, Florida, his last two fights, and people are going to be like, oh, he looks so much better since he moved to Sanford, Florida. And it's like, yeah, he has been a little more relaxed. But let me say this. He would have beat Elias Theodoro at any point of his career, whether he was training at Jackson's, whether he was training at his home gym in Carolina, whether you know he was here in Atlanta with Manu. I don't give a fuck where Derek Brunson is training. He's beating Elias Theodoro anywhere, any day, anytime. So to me, that's not like, oh, this is Sanford, Florida, Brunson. Like, you know, this is title run, Brunson. Is it Sanford MMA or is that the actual city? Well, that's the city and the gym. Oh, okay. 
Yeah, yeah. Sanford MMA is the name of the gym in Sanford, Florida, which is like right next to uh, Orlando. Actually, my my bro used to live in Sanford for a little bit. It's it's quite the spot. A uh, lot of trailer parks, uh, a lot of alligators, and then they got this gym there. So at least they got something to do. You know what I mean? But look, Derek Brunson. Um, I think that if it's a wrestling fight, that if it's a wrestling match in there, I think that's Derek Brunson's best best path to victory. If he can kind of you know, get it into the second round, get on top of Shabazi in a couple times and maybe gas him out. It's just, I don't really see that happening. I feel like for Derek to close the distance, he still has his old attacks he used to do. He's still going to lead in with that chin straight in the air. And one thing I like about Shabazi is he's not out here throwing unnecessary hooks and he's not brawling and slinging haymakers. His, his shots are pretty straight down the pipe. I, I like that about him. And you know, he's got a solid jab, a nice two, and then obviously the head kick is on point. He disguises that really well. The kid's got takedowns. He's the complete package. It's just, you know, this is a step up in competition. The best guy he's ever fought in his entire career is, you know, Brad Tavares coming off the Israel fight, so a washed Brad Tavares. But, look, he handled him accordingly, and I think he handles Derek Brunson accordingly too, and I'm glad they took this step with uh, Edmund Shabazi, and this is the right fight to take. You know, uh, guys like, Whitaker had to fight Tavares and Brunson. Guys like Izzy had to fight Tavares and Brunson. Now it's Shabazian's turn. Let's see exactly what he's got. If he comes out here, gets this first-round knockout, we go ahead and move up into the top five. If he kind of edges a decision, then maybe, you know, we keep him in the top ten, but we take it a little slower. So it's really up to Edmund. What performance is he going to have? I say he comes out here and gets the knockout. Yeah, man, I think uh, Shabazian... What separates him from the pack, in my opinion, is just his mental, you know. Most young kids, like, you know, for example, you see you see guys like, uh, you know, young kids put in his, in his position, you know, like, for example, like Shamaya, for example, you know, he's got two. And I think Shamaya was good, like, make no mistake about it. But let's just be honest here, he's fought two bums and fucking he's out here talking to... Uh, to McGregor and, and Nate Diaz and Masvidal and Kamaru saying how he would smash them when, you know, I'm not saying that he wouldn't, at least some of them, but I'm just saying, like, bro, you got to work your way up. Or, like, Sean O'Malley, for example, you know, you can uh, you can catch him, you know, daily saying, you know, hey, guys, how am I going to finish Cheeto? <laughs> or <laughs> or uh, talking shit to Peter Yan where it's like, bro, like, if Peter Yan ever got his hands on you, like, you know, you're not ready for that. But I like the, just this men, this kid's mental. You don't see him, you know, engaging in any dumb shit like that. He, he, he's he been well-groomed for uh, for spots like this. And I think he knocks Brunson out in the first round, man. I feel like Brunson, like you said, uh, I feel like Ian Heinish is good, but he doesn't have that dynamic ability like, like uh, Edmund Shabazian. You know, Shabazian's been boxing his whole life, got trained in MMA there. You know, he learned all the skills all that one time. He's got a uh, 14, what is it, 14, 15 years younger than, uh, than uh, you know, man, you know, Brunson's old enough to be his, I'm just kidding. But uh, I think, uh, <laughs> but I think, uh, I think Shabazian's something special. And I'm not saying he's going to – I'm not saying future champion this, future champion that, because I feel like a lot of times people can get carried away saying those things like that. But I feel like uh, I do see him at least fighting for a title. You know, I feel like he's going to come out here and knock Brunson out. I feel like putting – make Brunson faint, you know, put him on the back foot. And I feel like Brunson will make a mistake somewhere down the line. Look at the Heinish fight. He almost got knocked out with the – with the right high kick right off the bat, it was just when they tie it up, uh, you know, 
uh, Heinish has been taken down in the past, and Brunson was able to uh, exploit that. So, you know, uh, I'm going to go with Shabazian by first-round knockout. And, you know, maybe even, man, if he if he gets this, who, who should he fight, man? If he knocks him out in the first round, who should he fight? My boy Jack or uh, fucking who? It's a lot of options. <laughs> <laughs> you want to give Kel- uh, Kelvin a fourth loss? Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, so it's it's interesting. And another point, kind of like what we were talking about with Whitaker last week, and, you know, we both kind of edged Whitaker, and he did go out and win a close decision. But, you know, Brunson comes from a different era of the middleweight division. You know, back when Brunson was kind of in his prime, you know, the guys in the middleweight division were, you know, firstly Anderson Silva was the champ, but, you know, there was Bisbing, Wideman, Rockhold, you know what I'm saying? Whereas nowadays the top guys are, it's a completely different generation with Izzy, with Paulo Costa, you got Cannoneer, Hermanson, and this kid Shabazian. Uh, so it's just, again, the sport evolves so fast, and Brunson's got to catch up with him. Well, Shaq, now we got to talk about the fight to watch and the fighter to watch. So what is the fight to watch for UFC on ESPN Plus 31? My fight to watch is going to be... My fight to watch is going to be Randy Brown versus Vicente Luque, man, because I feel like... The uh, Vicente Luque should be already ranked. I'm, sure, I'm pretty sure he is. Uh, he's a ranked guy, and if Randy can get this win over a ranked guy, then you know he'll be in the rankings. And if Vicente Luque gets a knockout, stoppage, submission win, uh, I mean, I think he deserves a big fight, man. I know Jeff Neal and Magny are fighting here soon. Maybe the winner of that, or you know, uh, something else, if you have in mind. Yeah, I mean, anytime Vicente Luque or Randy Brown fights, it's one of the fights to watch for me. My fight to watch is actually going to be Kevin Holland versus Trevin Giles. I love watching Kevin Holland fight, and I'm curious to see how he approaches this one. If he's out here playing around, you know, talking to him a little bit, uh, or if he just goes out there, takes care of business. And with Giles, he's got a massive opportunity, too. If he can come out here and get this win, he'll be on a two-fight win streak. And I know, you know, he's an officer during the pandemic, so he gets on the mic on ESPN. He could have a big moment, too, so... Regardless who wins, going to be a, a big win for, for the winner there. Well, Shaq, who is your fighter to watch for UFC Vegas 5? Uh, my fighter to watch is going to be... My fighter to watch is going to be Bobby Green, man. You know, Bobby Green's always been one of my... Uh, one of my favorite fighters from back in the day from his Strike Force days. He always puts on an entertaining show. Always can count on Bobby Green to... Uh, put on an entertaining show for the fans and you know especially when Bobby Green wins man it's always a good it's always a good moment because you know like his last fight against Clay Guida you saw the good moment he had with his coach slash foster dad and you know Bobby man I know he sometimes people think he's a little bit too much he's a little bit too extra but I mean bro he's been through a lot of shit in his life and the fact that he's still in the UFC for this long and still fighting with some of these guys, man, it's very impressive. So if he comes out here and gets a, another win, man, Bobby Green, uh, I mean, he's already a legend in my eyes, but maybe some other people will see, you know? Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, love to watch Bobby Green fight. Uh, we'll always have a special place in my heart for him for cashing that plus 250 against Josh Thompson back in the day. Uh, that's my boy, Bobby Green. For me, look, my fighter to watch has got to be uh, 
former NFC Flyweight champion Cody Durden. It's always awesome when guys from our regional scene get signed to the UFC. And it's actually been a while since we've had one get the call up. You know, a lot of guys are close. You know, Jared Gooden could be up next on the docket. But honestly, the last guys to compete in the NFC, I mean, we're looking at, what, Diego Lima. We're looking at Rafael Asuncao, even Hannah Cyphers, right, <laughs> which was back in the Wild Bills days. But really, Diego Lima is probably the most recent one. Yeah, the Alan Cruz, uh, he fought once there. Uh, who else? Uh, yeah, Cyphers. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you're right. Uh, Alan Cruz was actually uh, the last NFC guy to compete in the UFC. But he he wasn't really like, okay, one fight still means you're a vet no matter what, by definition. You're right. But it, that was his only fight in the NFC. He won, so you got to give him credit. But like Diego was like a mainstay. Cody was like a champ. So, man, let, let's see how he performs. He's my fighter to watch. Well, Shaq, we did it. It's going down Saturday night in Vegas. Shabazian versus Brunson. They can get our plays at bestfightpicks.com. Use my promo code DAN25 for 25% off. Use Shaq's promo code SHAQ50 for 50% off. Use our code 2020 for 20% off the VIPs at bestfightpicks.com. Follow Shaq at MMAGenius05. Follow me at bestfightpicks. Subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Stitcher, Spotify, all the places where we are available. Truly, truly appreciate all your support. We will be back next week. And until the next time, let's cash these bets.